We want to be rigid enough about the core things, the things where there's just nothing to negotiate. It's a red line item. We must all do it this way for safety. But the way that we do things, maybe there's flexibility to, to bring into the fold there at the local level, allowing for some innovation, improvement, participation of our local teams and how we you know, define our processes and mature them as well. Welcome to the Better Care Podcast, where we tell the stories of clinicians, healthcare leaders, and innovators who are improving the way clinicians work and deliver care. On today's episode, Evidence Care's Dr. Brian Fengler interviews Dr. Miguel Benet, Senior Vice President of Clinical Operations at Community Health Systems, to discuss multiple facets of clinical operations and advancements in patient care. Miguel shares the focus behind significant reduction in patient safety events over the past decade at CHS and their approach to scaling clinical operations while considering local market needs. He also shares the unique ways CHS is expanding into digital health and AI, as well as his own personal growth journey into leadership roles and how he develops those around him. Miguel shares a lot of great information for clinicians and clinical leaders, so we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Better Care Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Fengler. I'm the co-founder and chief medical officer for Evidence Care. With me today, I have Dr. Miguel Binier. Uh, Miguel is the senior vice president of clinical operations for community health systems. At CHS, Miguel has leadership responsibilities for clinical services and operations. This includes the patient safety organization, clinical research, clinical informatics, case management and utilization review, uh, as well as multiple clinical service lines. I feel like uh, you don't have enough uh, <laughs> tasks there. Uh, before joining CHS in 2021, Miguel served as the chief medical officer for HCA's North Texas division. In his more than 20 years as a physician executive, he has had leadership roles, including chief resident, anesthesia department chair, and CMO at numerous hospitals. Completed his bachelor's degree at the University of Florida, received his MD as well as his master's in public health and health management policy from the University of Michigan, completed his anesthesia residency at Brigham and Women's Hospital, and uh, just recently participated in the Nashville Healthcare Council's Fellows Program in 2023. So Miguel, uh, thank you for braving uh, this uh, storm here that we've had in Tennessee this week and, and joining me today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I always like to start the podcast just learning a little more about your background and sort of, you know, where you grew up, um, you know, what sort of influences you had that led you to a career in medicine. Well, I grew up in Puerto Rico and Florida. Um, we moved in Florida when I was about seven years old, so pretty early on. Did all my schooling in Florida, various parts of the state, went to college there, as you said, and then kept going around the country between Michigan, Massachusetts, Colorado for practice. I was one of those kids that when asked, you know, when I was seven, what are you going to be? I would say a doctor. I didn't know what that was really when I was seven, but I knew that's what I wanted to say. Uh, but that turned out to be the case, you know, as I went through my schooling that ended up being medicine. So here we are. Where do you think that came from? I mean, any family members or influences or are you just from seven years old, you were going to be a doctor? Yeah. I mean, there's no other medical nursing, you know, um, folks in my family to speak of, really. 
I think it mainly came from interactions as a kid with my pediatrician, just thinking, you know, this is pretty cool what this guy's doing as a kid. Yeah. But then in school, just the interest in the sciences along with social sciences and psychology and that that mix, you know, of human interaction with science led to medicine as well. Yeah. So how about anesthesia? Uh, you know, obviously lots of medical specialties you could have chosen. What um, steered you in that direction? Kind of a similar set of circumstances where I, I like the pharmacology, I like the ICU, I like the OR and the procedural aspects. And anesthesia married those things pretty well. Um, so that, that led to a nice balance, you know, of all the likes during medical school. I, I had a tough choice to make because I liked a lot of things. So it was one of those situations uh, when I had to make a decision and concentrate on something for training. Now, you obviously had a have had a distinguished career in clinical leadership and executive roles. You know, kind of when did you start to make that transition and, and what led you down that path of clinical leadership? I, I was a bit of an oddball medical student in that I, I knew I wanted a hybrid career of some type. Back then it was more policy oriented in my interests. So I did that dual degree for that reason. We were also really focusing at that time and making sure you understood evidence-based medicine and practice. That was the hot topic in medical school. The, the public health degree really helped with that content as well. So I went on residency, the fellowship work at the Kennedy School to continue with the policy interest and really intentionally looked for a practice that was big enough to support those interests for a win-win between me and the practice. And I found that in Denver, Colorado. That's great. Now you joined a, a CHS just a couple of years ago, right as sort of COVID was, was tailing off. How did you see the organization kind of evolving coming out of COVID? I think CHS um, has followed the experience of many other healthcare delivery organizations. So all the themes around our staffing, our workforce, how it impacted personnel, not only during COVID, but after in the real shift and change in that workforce led to the company ad adapting itself in our approaches to how we support our workforce, how we continue to strive, really double down in our efforts to improve efficiencies for our clinicians, but also open up pipelines to train the new workforce throughout healthcare, both physicians, nurses, techs, you name it, throughout the entire team from beginning up until bedside care. So the training with partnerships and educational programs, all the way to continuing to train graduates of those programs to enter the workforce successfully. So, you know, you were already a clinical leader before you joined CHS. What was it about this opportunity that attracted you to, to the position you're in now? CHS um, has been on a really incredible journey of transformation not only because of the pandemic, but before the pandemic, the, the company had set forth on a journey to really come together in key markets as healthcare systems. And it is rare that you find an opportunity to be able to become part of a team at the national level where you're able to shape that kind of healthcare delivery at that scale. So when the opportunity came up, um, I, you know, I jumped on it for that reason. Yeah. Non-healthcare question, but uh, so you've lived in Nashville now for a few years. What what have you thought of, of, uh, of the city and what, what have you enjoyed about living in Nashville? I mean, I, I think I would repeat all the usual things you hear from the incoming people, <laughs> but just it's very friendly um, and that we definitely experienced that. I'd like the mix. We're enjoying the mix of having more sort of urban 
opportunities with restaurants and entertainment and sports, but then also still having a good mix of outdoors, you know, access, because we really enjoy that, the hiking, going out, kayaking and whatnot. So it's a great mix and balance of having those available to you. And, and we've enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, it really is a great city. So what are some of the system's uh, top initiatives right now? Basically, um, workforce development is continuing to be one of our focus areas for all the reasons that we, we spoke about. Always safety and quality is the top of our agenda, and we continue to advance our journey there, not only improving our quality outcomes, but also our patient experience uh, throughout the continuum of care as well. So that continues to be a focus. There's a longstanding, now over 10-year history at CHS of success in improving safety. The company has been able to reduce the number of serious safety events by over 90% from its baseline over 10 years ago. Mm. So we continue on that high reliability safety journey as a priority. And then finally, growth. Um, obviously in healthcare, post-pandemic especially, there is a big challenge around maintaining financial health for all of our health systems. We're in that same space as everybody else. And so one of our focus is to support our financial strength growth for the communities that we serve and for the, for the health of the company. Yeah. You mentioned the reduction in patient safety events. Um, let's, let's dive in a little bit there. You know, it's a challenge, obviously, as a national health system with um, regional health systems around the country. You know, how were you able to achieve that level of success in reducing patient safety events? Well, folks and team members who were at CHS before me uh, really uh, did a lot of the work of setting the foundation of a strong patient safety organization. And with that, we're successful in really employing and connecting with all the care teams throughout the company and engaging in that safety journey. They had patience, I think, to lay down those foundations and engage everybody correctly. They laid down a framework that was a multi-year journey, which is, I think, smartly based on literature and experience, and I think relentless. Um, so day after day, month after month, really chipping down at the behaviors, the processes, learning safety science, teaching safety science to our organization, and 10 years in the making, you get a 90% reduction from where you started. Yeah. Um, so I think that tenacity, patience, but also just very intentional, graduated way of every year chipping away at it and making progress uh, was key to the success. And here we are, we're at that last 10%, which can be sometimes the most challenging, but also that's a much better place to be, obviously. As a national health system with regional markets, how is it that... Um, you know, the executive team at the corporate level has been able to engage with those different markets so that you don't have eight different flavors of medicine across CHS, but really have, you know, that single standardized way of doing things. So we have a term that uh, gets used in the company, uh, rigidly flexible. Okay. Um, we want to be rigid enough about the core things, the things where there's just nothing to negotiate. It's a red line item. We must all do it this way for safety. But the way that we do things, maybe there's flexibility to, to bring into the fold there at the local level, allowing for some innovation, for improvement on our processes, participation of our local teams and how we you know, define our processes and mature them as well. So that rigidly flexible, I think, approach is key for a complex, you know, multi-market company like ours. The other is the ever-present opportunity around communication, communication, communication. One of my mantras with the teams at CHS 
when we do anything is that we have to communicate it 16 different ways through 32 different channels. Omni-channel communication is important. And then finally, something I think we've gotten better at in the last few years and continue to mature is in the development of solutions and even in the prioritization of our opportunities, we're getting better and better at bringing in the voices of our caregivers from bedside to the C-suite, from regional leadership and corporate together to help prioritize you know, our, our items for the company, but also design our approaches to the solutions from the get-go. Now, as we mentioned in your intro, um, in your role, you wear a lot of hats. What do you get the most excited about? What uh, what do you find yourself spending a lot of time on because you just enjoy it and you have a passion for it and, and, and with all those hats that you wear? Something I didn't think would be the biggest part of the job when I first started doing it in transition from practice into the into the administrative role. And that's the team development and people development. You know, I went in physician thinking I, I want to make outcomes better for our patients, for our communities, and we're doing that. But little did I know back then that the way I was going to do that was 90% plus supporting and growing people, supporting and growing teams. Thankfully, I liked it um, because I didn't know that going in. But after being in it, it's it's a really very rewarding part of the job. And I think the one from my standpoint that yields the most fruit. Yeah. Transitioning just a little bit. Uh, so what do you see, you know, as sort of the role of, you know, digital health um, in those initiatives and how we can help uh, enable better patient care and better efficiency? You know, where do you uh, where do you see that going? Well, that's a live question, isn't it? Because it's changing so much um, as we speak. I think the answer to that question would have been a couple of years ago from me, a, a very important leg in this three-legged stool of our approach, you know, to improving efficiency and safety. Now it seems like it's the sort of seat of the stool, you know, and growing in so many ways because there's so much innovation around us to figure out how to adopt responsibly and for impact, but also to evolve at the speed that it is evolving. Yeah. Um, so one of the things and opportunities with CHS when I came in was actually leapfrogging in some of that use of technology. And we've been able to do that in certain areas in clinical operations and quality by going to things like a full and a fire standard uh, clinical data warehouse um, that we now can use throughout the enterprise with near real visibility into the care of our patients and operations. Nice. You know, CHS engages with um, many different vendors and uh, when it comes to digital health. How have you seen, you know, sort of the role of the organization and some of your clinical leaders in helping to shape the, the products? Because um, a lot of times vendors may come to you with their ideas of how a product might work but it's not until it really gets into the hands of your of your doctors and nurses that um, the true insights come in terms of, of what could make that product work for them. Um, and so how has, has that gone with some of your um, digital health deployments? Better and better. I mean, I think I would say there, we now have a history in trying to deploy technology in healthcare uh, in major ways where we had large resource corporations coming up with amazing solutions with scientists and engineers. And then when those would go to the forefront, it wouldn't work as intended or, or as desired. So we went through a few cycles of learning, I think, as an industry through that. And where we are now and what we're trying to push for as providers is to partner 
not only in the design of the solutions, but in how we deploy them, use them and keep refining them. So the feedback loop, even after implementation is really important. Uh, so we encourage our providers to provide that feedback. And I think we've seen very good companies that have seen this dynamic play out as well, advance how they bring in that feedback, going beyond just hotlines or send me an email, but to live interaction with the providers, shoulder to shoulder to see how is it really working? What can we continuously improve? And we've done some of that with Evidence mm -hmm. Care yeah. uh, in our partnership already and, and really pushed that with all of our partners because see it as key uh, to success and just to continue to evolve. Absolutely. So what from your experience have you seen uh, be successful within the organization when engaging with a vendor? Do you um, do you start in one market and then and then try to get it right before you scale it? Or do you go big bang? What uh, what has been your experience on what's most successful? For the most part, start in a one market, maybe a couple, um, maybe some a couple of markets that are different from each other in size and complexity. So you capture that and sit there for a little bit because we learn not only sometimes just technological things that need to be addressed, but then software, interface, other things, preferences. Mm -hmm. Once we have those understood or better understood, yeah, we, we don't wanna fall into the trap of trying to get perfection for progress. So we make the call, okay, we've done a round or two. The initiating teams or the first teams to go seem to be really engaging, using it well now. So let's take that solution and scale it. Uh, when we start to scale, we tend to scale quickly and we continue to learn. I mean, after scaling, things continue to come up that continue to improve the use of the product and the product itself. So we don't stop. But we've done enough with that first round, we believe, to be able to scale successfully and get engagement. Yeah. You know, obviously, the the, the question that gets asked on every panel these days is, um, you know, AI. And so where does CHS fall in terms of um, your guys diving into AI, having those conversations around, you know, the compliance and making sure we're doing it safe, um, but at the same time, continuing to innovate, um, you know, how, what have some of those conversations within the organization been around AI? So first, I think we acknowledged uh, a few years ago that data science, AI was going to become, is becoming a central competency in healthcare delivery and healthcare services. So in recognizing that, we wanted to build up internal resources and capabilities so that we had knowledge within the organization around data science, AI. So we built up a data science team. I set out to intentionally build that as a hybrid team. So the team actually has a number of data scientists who are physicians who then also went out and got a PhD in data science. Um, so they get that clinical hybrid with the data science utilization. So they're leading those efforts in partnership with IT and informatics. Then we set out to build that platform approach. So we want to balance the use of AI and other data science tools in an ecosystem where it makes more sense sometimes to work with a partner outside the organization to develop and deploy or just deploy. And sometimes it makes more sense to develop within the organization. But the most important thing is that we have the ability to evaluate the quality of the product and how it would be used in operations. And that team really allows us to do that very well. So that's what we've been doing for the last few years. And 24, 2024 is a big year for CHS in this space because we have a number of solutions that are really traveling in both along those lanes. Partnered solutions with third-party you know, partners in this space 
and in-house developed uh, solutions as well. Mm -hmm. What are maybe some of, um, and you don't have to mention any names of specific companies or products, but, you know, are there any digital solutions that, you know, you've implemented or looking at that you're like, you know, hey, that's really interesting. And maybe the use case around it, whether it's, you know, not to put an idea in your head, but, you know, um, documentation uh, automation or, you know, what are some of those things that you're seeing that you're like really interested in and think, wow, this is really going to help move the needle in terms of efficiency or patient care? So um, there's a roadmap that's been built and you can see all the solutions there and they're rolling out a lot of them in, in the beginning of this year and continue. I think that we have the usual list with documentation support and, and whatnot in there. Some of the wider platforms that I, I'm interested to see what kind of impact um, will have include 24-7 continuous patient monitoring um, with AI so that we do a, a much better job of predicting who may decompensate before they decompensate for early intervention. So really going to the original rapid response literature, you know, going early and intervening and supporting that with better information for our teams, I'm excited about because I think that could have an impact not only on outcomes, but also reducing utilization as well. So value, right? Better outcomes, lower, lower utilization. So that's a big one. The other one is operations in that we are working with the markets that are systems. Sometimes we have multiple hospitals or clinics in the same market. The visibility of what is happening real time in these sites is useful in our efforts to balance load and be able to serve the community. So if we have a few hospitals in, for example, in Tucson, Arizona, where we have one of our markets and we have outlying facilities trying to send patients in to, to the city, then we're able to look at the whole city real time. And when they call for one hospital, we can say, well, they're really full, but these other two that we have here, we can yeah. definitely you know, accept the patient and take care of them. Yeah, so load balancing. Right. Yep. Is CHS, you know, diving into, um, you know, care at home or, or other um, sorts of ways to, to get that patient care in the environment that's best for that patient? Um, you know, any initiatives in that space across your markets? Yeah, we saw a lot of growth in that space over the last 18 months or so. In in that space, we partnered with an outside partner who already had a solution, uh, vetted that solution and started to go to our clinics. Mm-hmm. There are over 700 clinics in CHS. Um, so started going to our clinics and offering remote patient monitoring solutions for our chronic um, health patients. A lot of focus on diabetes and uh, blood pressure management. What's been really great about that program is the enrollment has really picked up, but also the outcomes have been impressive. When we look at blood pressure management and trips to the emergency room, we see the decrease in the population that's enrolled. Their actual blood pressure numbers are getting better um, and uh, their need to go for emergency care services has really come down. Mm -hmm. That's great. So CHS is a, a publicly traded company and sometimes, you know, the, the for-profit health systems get a bad rap. You know, what would you say in terms of how the organization is balancing those initiatives of being a publicly traded company and, and profitability at the same time, you know, delivering the best care to your communities? Yeah, it's a good question because at the end of the day, when you look through the whole, you know, spectrum of healthcare, everybody's taking care of patients, whether they're in the for-profit side or nonprofit. Mm-hmm. 
yes, we have that difference. And so we like to term it, we're the tax paying part of that and the non-tax paying part. So we are doing some education around that reality, yeah. but also internally, uh, particular to CHS, the profits generated by the company really do go back into the company fully, mm-hmm. into infrastructure and or people. Um, we don't pay a dividend by design um, and haven't. And we internally do share and educate our own workforce around the fact that that's the way the company's set up. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And sometimes you dive into those numbers and realize the for-profits are, are delivering just as much or more charity care than some of the nonprofits. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Mentioned previously your engagement in the Nashville Healthcare uh, fellows program last year. Maybe talk a little bit about that, your experience and, and um, you know, some of the benefits you saw in participating in that program. Yeah, that, that was really great, um, especially coming off the pandemic, because it had been some times, I think, since a lot of us had the time to step away from operations and think um, and go back to, you know, looking at yourself for growth uh, in our leadership. So that was very timely. Great group. The fellows program does a great job, I think, of bringing many disciplines uh, throughout healthcare from operators to providers to insurance companies, you name it, into the mix for a robust conversation. But it's also really continued to sort of pay off, if you will, because you build relationships uh, that continue, including with you know the group here with Evidence Care, yeah. uh, where we had a colleague that was in the group as well, and we connected, um, but with other partners. And you see the the fellows connecting, not only for business purposes, I would say more for just asking each other questions and supporting each other, resourcing from each other. And that's very valuable, that's very helpful. Absolutely. Any business, any industry, and especially healthcare, very relationship-based, and obviously Nashville being a healthcare-focused town, um, definitely great to uh, to build those uh, relationships. And, and uh, so, what advice would you give for other physicians or, or clinicians, you know, that are looking to um, sort of build their career as you have and, and maybe look for some of those leadership roles or ways that they can get more involved in the organization to advance their career? Well, I think one reassurance I would offer first for clinicians is that you will use your clinical training deeply throughout your career if you go into administrative leadership as a physician, a nurse, et cetera you will use your clinical training. I think that's a concern for many making the transition. But advice-wise, I would say, make sure that you are able to get comfortable with a journey that is starting with looking at yourself, because that never ends. If you're gonna grow as a leader and be successful and have successful teams that can do great things, that journey of growing from within, analyzing yourself, looking in the mirror throughout your entire career, doesn't end, but it actually then becomes a real rewarding part of the journey. So if that excites you, you should consider it because that's a big part of the experience. Yeah. It's, it's a journey in personal growth, not just career advancement. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Miguel, thank you so much for joining us today on the Better Care podcast. Um, really enjoy the conversation and uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Better Care podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform. Additionally, your ratings and reviews are invaluable in helping us reach a wider audience. Please consider leaving a review, and if you do, email us a screenshot at marketing at evidence.care, and we'll send you a thank you gift. 
For access to exclusive content and further healthcare insights created by Evidence Care, please visit evidence.care slash bettercarepodcasts and subscribe to our email list. We appreciate your support and look forward to connecting.